and we're going to look at a story that on the surface uh, looks exactly like we'd expect. Someone comes to Jesus for help, for healing, and Jesus heals them. It's a beautiful story, one that uh, perhaps you've found personally encouraging in particular circumstances in your life over the years. And the thing I love about the Bible is that I always learn new things every time I read it. Some new facet of how amazing God is or something new about myself and how I respond to God. So we're going to dive into this very short story to look at the details and the background with the goal of drawing closer to our Lord Jesus. Uh, let me pray. Lord God, thank you for your words of life and light to us. May this time of meditating on your words be a balm to our souls and an encouragement to trust in you alone. Amen. I've enjoyed bushwalking and camping in the past, and a number of years ago, some friends and I decided to take on the six-foot track in the Blue Mountains. So it's a three or four-day walk. I think we did it in four days, didn't want to you know, push ourselves too hard. Uh, we walked through some stunning scenery during the day and slept in tents at night. And uh, we might have had a swim one time to clean off the grime, but we definitely weren't having regular showers. And after the, train, after the walk, sorry, we hopped on a train in Katoomba to get home and sat down in an empty carriage. Uh, but as we got closer to the city, the train started to fill up with other people and more people joined us in our carriage. And those poor things, this is in the days before you wore masks on public transport, you could see their faces the second they noticed the smell. Their eyes would widen, their noses wrinkled up, some people even discreetly got up and, and ended up changing carriages. We obviously smelt terrible. And it was such a joy to get home and have a hot shower and wash off all that accumulated filth. I'm sure we can all think of a time when we felt dirty and felt that desperate need for a shower or to wash our hands. We understand disgust and that, that feeling of being unclean. But most of us have very little experience of ritual purity and impurity. Mark chapter 1 verses 40 to 45 is a story all about ritual purity. In the Bible, and particularly in the Old Testament, ritual purity was a matter of daily importance to the ancient Israelites. Our Old Testament reading was from the book of Leviticus, one of the foundational texts of the Jewish law. And Leviticus 14 contains 33 verses of instruction, we only read 20, about what to do when a person is healed of a defiling skin condition. That is, a skin condition that makes them ritually impure. And as we read it, it probably sounded kind of bizarre to you. So archaic, maybe even a bit embarrassing, this obsession with skin disease animal sacrifices and strange rituals. It might seem easiest for us to relegate parts of the Bible like this to the ancient past. We might say that ritual impurity was a concern for the Israelites because they were primitive and ignorant, deeply marked by their cultural and historical context. Of course, today as a society that understands science and medicine, 
We can see where these ritual laws could have been helpful in preventing disease. But in the modern, enlightened world, there doesn't seem to be any place for Leviticus. That was how God related to his people thousands of years ago, uh, but not today. But then we turn to the Gospels, to the life and ministry of our Lord Jesus, fully God and fully human. And we can't avoid the truth that Jesus' humanity is distinctly Jewish. Leviticus was the first book that Jewish children learnt and studied, and so Jesus would have known Leviticus very well. And in the Gospels, we find out that Jesus cares passionately about ritual purity. Mark 1, verses 40 to 45, is a story that's firmly embedded in Leviticus 13 to 14 and shows that Jesus cares passionately about ritual purity. So this interaction between Jesus and a man with leprosy happens right at the beginning of Jesus' public ministry. Uh, we know from the previous verses that Jesus has been preaching in synagogues, healing the sick, driving out demons, uh, all in a region called Galilee. And so somewhere in Galilee, a man afflicted with leprosy comes to Jesus for help. Now, I've always uh, understood leprosy to be a horrible, debilitating disease, a disease which causes people to lose feeling in their bodies. And because of this lack of sensation, lepers can unwittingly do damage to themselves and end up losing limbs as a result. It's the stuff of nightmares. And then, on top of that, in line with God's commands in Leviticus 13, people who suffered from leprosy were quarantined from the rest of the community, presumably to protect others from infection. This is a degenerative and isolating disease. No wonder then that Mark wants to show Jesus healing a man who is experiencing such terrible physical and mental suffering. Uh, leprosy, or Hansen's disease, as it's called in modern medicine, is a serious medical condition caused by a chronic bacterial infection that can cause loss of feeling to body parts. But the word used for leprosy in Mark and for defiling skin diseases in Leviticus is not the same disease that we call leprosy today. Uh, Hansen's disease didn't exist in the Mediterranean world until hundreds of years after Leviticus was written. And although Hansen's disease was around in Jesus' time, a different word was used to describe it. So when Mark says that this man had leprosy, he doesn't mean Hansen's disease. Instead, he's using a word that described a number of relatively minor skin diseases, like psoriasis, eczema, fungal infections, and scurvy. Ancient writers also clearly differentiated Hansen's disease from what they called leprosy, so there's no way Mark was getting the two mixed up. So considering all of this, why exactly did Mark feel it was necessary to include a story of Jesus performing a miracle that was roughly equivalent to using head and shoulders shampoo or an antifungal ointment? I mean, sure, dandruff is inconvenient, athlete's foot is really itchy, but surely Jesus' mission wasn't about 
overcoming flaky skin and blemishes. Why did Jesus help this man? Well, the important thing about leprosy in Mark's day was that it caused ritual impurity. This is the same thinking that we encountered in Leviticus. The symptoms of white, flaky skin associated with leprosy were compared to the appearance of a corpse. And so even though leprosy itself wasn't that bad a disease, it was viewed as an aspect of death. In the Jewish ritual purity system, those with leprosy were considered as the walking dead. They were a powerful source of impurity and that's why they had to be separated from the rest of the community. Anything and anyone they touched also became impure. For the ancient Israelites, the contagiousness of the disease wasn't the problem. The spread of ritual impurity was the problem. And one important thing to note is that ritual impurity is not the same thing as moral impurity or sin. Uh, for a start, ritual impurity isn't necessarily anyone's fault. In Leviticus, having a burn or a scratch made you impure. I've managed to burn myself cooking this week and I got scratched by a cat, so I'm totally out. These aren't things you can help. They're part of being human. On the other hand, moral impurity happens because we fall short of God's perfect standard because we sin. Uh, there's overlap sometimes, but ritual impurity doesn't necessarily come from moral impurity. In the context of Leviticus, the ritual purity system was designed to allow Israel to live in the presence of their holy God. Shortly before the laws about defiling skin diseases in chapters 13 to 14, Leviticus chapter 10 tells us about Aaron the high priest and his sons. And these sons offered unauthorized fire before the Lord and died as a result of God's judgment. God's presence was a wonderful blessing to his people, but it was also very dangerous if they approached God in the wrong way. And so in Mark chapter 1, the man with leprosy was seen as one of the walking dead, separated from his community so that he didn't spread his impurity to other people. And this was important because if you were impure, it was impossible for you to enter God's temple and worship him. Ritual purity was all important for the Jewish people to maintain their relationship with God. But instead of keeping his distance, this man comes right up to Jesus, falls at his feet and begs him for cleansing. If you are willing, you can make me clean. He knows Jesus is powerful and able to cleanse him. And so he asks him if he's willing to do it. But Jesus' response catches us by surprise a bit. In verse 41, Jesus was indignant. In fact, the original Greek means something stronger than indignant. Jesus is shockingly filled with anger. This poor man has come and asked Jesus for help, and Jesus is furious. Uh, but then Jesus' next action is even more shocking, for the original readers at least. As a faithful Jew, we'd expect Jesus to recoil from this ritually impure man. Maybe that's why he was angry. 
But instead of turning him away, Jesus closes the distance between them, reaching out his, his hand and touching him. The man had said to Jesus, if you want to, you can make me clean. And Jesus replies, I do want to be clean. Immediately, the leprosy leaves the man and he's cleansed. Just like earlier in Mark with the man in the synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit, Jesus speaks and the spirit leaves him. When Jesus goes to Simon's mother-in-law in bed with a fever, he takes her hand and the fever disappears. With a word, a touch, Jesus acts and the demon, the disease, the impurity is gone. Just like that. No incantations, no rituals, no antibiotics or antifungal cream. Jesus brings health and wholeness to these people immediately and completely. But then our um, story with the man who used to have leprosy gets even stranger. Uh, Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. Again, the English isn't, isn't quite strong enough here or forceful enough. Jesus casts him away. Literally, he's snorting with anger. He's almost stuttering to get his words out. He's so charged up with emotion. Uh, one New Testament professor creatively imagines Jesus' words here that Jesus says to the man, take that, you're cleansed, now shut up and get out of here. The man is packed off unceremoniously. Jesus warns him not to tell anyone and commands him to show himself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for his cleansing. Basically, he's to obey Leviticus chapter 14. The birds, the cedar wood and scarlet yarn, the lambs, the whole shebang. Although we've just been told that Jesus has cleansed or purified this man, he still has to go and fill the requirements for purification from Leviticus. But instead, the man goes out and spreads the news about Jesus and what happened to him. And because of this miracle, Jesus' popularity grows even further, so he can't even go into the towns, uh, probably because of the, the huge crowds that he attract. In some ways, this is a fairly straightforward miracle story. Jesus sees a person in need and he miraculously restores them to health, but more importantly here, to a state of being clean. But we're also left with some questions. Why is Jesus so angry before he cleanses the man, but also afterwards? And why does Jesus bother to cleanse the man at all? Didn't Jesus come to abolish the ritual purity system? He could have turned it into a teaching opportunity to tell the crowds that ritual impurity is nothing and ritual impurity is nothing. What matters is following God, but he doesn't. And then why does Jesus send the man to the priest to offer the sacrifices from Leviticus? Surely Jesus has the power to proclaim this man pure. Well, at this point in Mark's gospel, as the readers, we've only just met Jesus. We're only in chapter one. And he said and done some amazing things already, but we're asking the question, who is this man? Who is this man? And that's apparently the question of the man with leprosy as well. When he approaches Jesus, he obviously believes that Jesus is someone with great power. 
powerful enough to remove his ritual impurity. But he doubts whether Jesus desires to do it. If you are willing, you can make me clean. This man doesn't seem to know who Jesus is. Perhaps he only said it this way to show humility and deference, but Jesus is infuriated by the insinuation that he might not want to bring cleansing to this man. In effect, Jesus says, if I want to, of course I want to. Nothing is more central to my mission than restoring wholeness to a broken world, than healing the division between humanity and God. The man with leprosy and the watching crowd are wondering, who is this man? And Jesus responds in anger because they've missed what he's passionate about. Jesus cares passionately about ritual impurity because impurity is an obstacle between humanity and God. And he's furious that anyone would think otherwise. It's a fascinating insight into Jesus' personality. We're reminded that our Lord isn't a tame house cat. He's God. And he cares passionately about holiness and the restoration of the world. Jesus' passion for ritual purity also explains his command that the man must show himself to the priest and offer sacrifices after Jesus had already cleansed him. In Leviticus 14, anyone who was healed of their defiling skin disease was to be brought to the priest so that they could offer sacrifices, shave their head and their body, and finally re-enter the community seven days after the skin disease had been removed. Jesus recognised that God's commands in Leviticus were still valid and significant at that point in time. And he showed that he hadn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfil it. You see, the priests could diagnose impurity and declare someone pure once they were healed, but the priests couldn't cure anyone. By removing the man's leprosy, Jesus does what was impossible for the priests and for Leviticus to do. He removes the source of impurity completely. Who is this man? It's a question that only gets bigger and more pressing as we keep reading Mark's gospel and see Jesus forgive sins, raise the dead, walk on water, and eventually die and rise from the dead. Jesus came to earth with a mission to make broken things whole, to bring life and hope out of death and despair. And this includes bringing restored relationship between God and us. Gradually, Mark is building a living, breathing portrait of Jesus as one who is so powerful a force of holiness that impurity can't stand against him. Although, according to Leviticus, impurity is contagious and infects everyone and everything around it, Jesus' holiness is so powerful that he overwhelms even the impurity of leprosy. You might not think about impurity at all in your life, but for a large percentage of the world's population, including people living in Sydney, impurity is a pressing issue of daily importance. Some branches of Islam, Hinduism, Judaism, and other religions are actively concerned with purity and impurity. 
It affects their whole lives, their view of themselves and one another and their relationship with God. Even for those of us who don't have this kind of religious background, understanding purity can enrich our understanding of what Christ has done for us. Perhaps you know what it's like to feel dirty, to feel dead inside, maybe because of your sin or because of sins done against you, or perhaps because of something totally outside of your control that's part of this corrupt world. Jesus promises to cleanse us from moral impurity when we've done the wrong thing, but Jesus' power and passion are greater than that. He's able and he wants to cleanse us from all impurity to give us light and life. God sent his son to be a powerfully contagious force of holiness, to overwhelm the forces of impurity and death. Throughout his ministry, Jesus overcomes impurity again and again. And when he dies on the cross, he takes ritual impurity into his very body, becoming a corpse. But because Jesus is the ultimate force of holiness, he rose again from the dead. As Peter the Apostle says, it was impossible for, de for death to keep its hold on him. Jesus cares passionately about purity. And in his death and resurrection, Jesus once and for all time destroyed impurity so that we're cleansed, fit to be in God's perfect, holy presence. Like a hot shower after a smelly bushwalk, Jesus washes us clean. He takes away our impurity, removing any and every obstacle that separates us from our, living, from our loving Father. We're going to take hold of this promise now as we sing together, asking God to create in us a clean heart. So let's stand and sing as our band leads us.